welcome to the Reimagining Work podcast. This would be episode 29? No, 30. Episode 30, that's right. It is. Do we call this a milestone? Yeah, let's. Okay, Uh, it's a milestone. It's a a pre-end of year milestone. We're not going to do the thing that we weren't even slightly (laughs) tempted to do. And we laughed, we had a laugh about it, which is to look back at the year and say, what have we learned? We're also not looking forward to 2016. We are looking forward to 2016. But we're not going to do any predictions as far as the workplace goes. That's right. Because uh, I can be very short with that. Not mm. much is going to change. So there you go. We, we um, I'll introduce myself. John Wenger here. And, and there is Rohi North on the other end. Um, we are going to do something as we come to the end of the year, which actually thinking about it may, may um, be slightly controversial. Or it might touch, it might come close to being slightly controversial. We'll be Ooh. careful not to be. Um, too, uh, too confronting. Too confronting in the spirit of the season. <laughs> and the and the the topic is called. We called it the dark side. I guess that's in t- in line with the new Star Wars movie about to that's come out. That's what is so, exactly what it is. That's where it came from. And it's one of these. It, it may be one of these conversations that that um, that sort of uh, becomes. A, uh, we touch on some of the frustrations or the challenges, I guess, that goes on. In the midst of this whole, um, in the digital transformation that's currently going on, but also as as we move even broader from from the old way of work to a new way of work, as we kind of reimagine work, and th- there are lots of hot, new, exciting things, lots of bright, shiny toys that people are being really attracted to, and I guess there's there's a um, there's a similarity with one or two conversations we've had in the past about doing something because it's a good thing to do, not because you can. And using new technologies um, for good, for the forces of good. Because it would be so so easy, I think, when we look at some of the new digital technologies and, and ways of working. Because they're new and bright and shiny, that they're inherently good, just because they're new and bright and shiny. And I think we want to challenge that a little bit. Um, isn't it where we, because we talked in, we had uh, a conversation about uh, digital versus analog or something. We did, yeah. Uh, looking back over the past year. <laughs> We're not doing that. <laughs> but that's where we uh, also uh, covered the topic of, of having the new toys and um, just adding that layer of functionality, digital, the digitalness of things adding that layer to to our daily routines and not actually changing with uh, uh, the capabilities that we have, but just adding them to our repertoire of tools that we use in order to, and in this case, in the dark side, uh, to manipulate uh, uh, or control people. Mm. Um, I'm kind of making quite a large jump now because um do it do it jump do it do it jump well uh the current surveillance states uh that we live in and uh here where i live we have zero cameras um where you live you have the highest density of Mm. uh, surveillance cameras in the world Mm. uh, in london Mm. and um so there's something to be said for uh the dark side of uh, modern technology mm. um, and mm. it's something that I mean we're not spied upon 
in the workplace. But uh, I'm sure there are people who are using technology to their benefit in a way that is not necessarily, well, nice. <laughs> well, that, that phrase spied upon also depends on, on, on your perspective. It depends on how, how you see the world. Do you see the world as maybe a bunch of conspiracies or not? You, you know, it, not that anyone's wrong or right, but I'm just thinking when you say that, not spied upon in the workplace, I think about some of the, the new wearable technologies that are beginning to be introduced where some people have experience of being spied upon um there was one that came to my attention uh, quite a long time ago um because they use a word which i don't think they have the right to use it comes out of the whole and i mentioned this before the whole psychodrama sociodrama, sociodrama tradition the word was pioneered by jacob moreno and the word is sociometry and there is, um, there is a brand of wearable technology which aims to map people's interactions at work. And I, um, for me, the jury is out, but I think it's useful to have these, these thoughts and these conversations about is it going to the dark side? Um, my inclination is that to have a technology that I wear as a badge that, that marks all of my movements, records my conversations, my facial expressions, in order for some buddy, some manager, some analyst to analyze the data and then therefore to make decisions about how workplaces are laid out, um, who I should be perhaps be working more closely with as team members, who I need to be um, spending less time with, um, I get a little bit concerned. Well, I get more than a little bit concerned. Actually. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it may be like the, the same old, same old arguments with these kind of things. Mm. And, uh, of course, those who benefit in a certain way from using um, on, on, on a, an immense scale, uh, okay, the NSA, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, the way they use the technology and the excuses they use in order to actually use the technology, right? So, um, when, you, when you take just that one reason... And in this particular case, obviously, it's terrorism that they, you know, sure. they go like, so, oh, wow, so they've been using all that technology and still they can't prevent something that happened in Paris. So, mm. well done, guys. Mm. But, um, okay, end of rent. Um, well, I, I mean, no, I but, but what I'm trying to say is that the, the reason that they give out to prevent terrorism is, in essence, a good reason. Sure. Right? And, and I think that's a bit of the problem with, with what you just described. The given reason for using that kind of technology and that, of, that kind of analysis and all those kind of things, you know, when you look at it from a certain perspective, it's not that bad. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Yes, analyze that. Yes, bring me in contact with the right people that I work better with and those kind of things. I mean, if you can have an algorithm figure that out, then why not? That's a, that's literally a question. <laughs> why yeah, why, yeah, why yeah. wouldn't they use that's it? That's why I. That's why, and that's one of the things that I deliberate over because I think that there there could be um, benefits, um, and the jury is out. Um, Uh, for me, I guess, I, I guess the, the, but the, first, the first thing I took exception to was the, the, the use of the word sociometry because it has 
it already has a meaning. Um, and the fact that it's also been trademarked raises some questions for people like myself and around the world who practice sociometry, as has been around since the 1910s, mm-hmm. 1920s. Now do we have to apply to somebody because somebody else has trademarked this word, mm-hmm. which they didn't actually pioneer? No, they just... Uh, but the problem is more deeper than that. They, they actually... Uh, uh, the request for trademarking, that word was actually granted, right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. whole system is so, skewed, so, so obviously. That, so there was something that happened where it wasn't challenged and the trademark was granted and all that sort of stuff. Um, and, I, and I think there's, there's a big part of me that thinks about what sociometry is as it was initially developed and is still practiced, that sociometry is is a technique or a technology, a human technology, a soft technology, if you like, mm-hmm. that is meant to be of the people, for the people, and by the people. In other words, it's a way for teams and groups to examine their own social structures and to make adjustments to their social structures and the relationships between them. Mm-hmm. It is not a technique where somebody collects data and somebody outside of that group, somebody who is maybe unknown to the group, analyzes the data and then makes decisions about how those people will interact or where they will sit or who they will work with or not work with um, without that group's consent. Because it, it, there is, I have a very strong, if, if, if you've been listening, listeners, I have a very strong streak of personal responsibility and freedom. And the, the idea of having things done to us is not okay. Particularly, I see. I think that's part no, with, of the reimagined right. world that we talk about. Yeah. So let me ask you, because um, obviously you're uh, you're a, a, a sociometry uh, practitioner, mm-hmm. and in your opinion, is it? I, I think the, I think I know the answer, but is it? As an, I think you're going to say yes, but um, is it possible to create an algorithm? And to record people, their, their, you know, record their body language, their facial expressions, mm. interpret them in a certain way, and then um, in the end, at the end of the day, come to uh, have the computer come to a similar conclusion as you do. Do you think that's possible? Uh, it may be possible, and that's that whole tech world is is. Um is you know as you know it's a bit of a mystery to me it may be possible and it may be something that's being developed the 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 key word that what you've just said though is interpret who interprets the data now if it's a truly sociometric application of the data because the data is essential that's core to sociometry gathering data about who connects to who who doesn't and how can we improve that of course if if somebody outside of the group is doing the interpreting that's where i get stuck because if it's a sociometric technique it is the group and the people involved who are doing the interpreting. It is, a, it is a way for groups to reinvent themselves, to make themselves more productive, to make themselves more satisfying and enjoyable. So I got to go back to so what's the purpose of this sort of thing. Well, and I, I, read, like I read a couple of things, uh, um, articles. Um, I'll find them and we'll put them in the notes for the, for the, article, for the podcast. Of people um, who, who write for a, a well-known magazine, who were given these devices to try, and uh, the conclusion by the staff, the, the office, basically the whole office that tried them, um, was they couldn't see any purpose in these things beyond more squeezing productivity out of people. <laughs> and but so I think for me, if if 
if we are coming to a world where purpose is is more important in our workplace than profit, um, then I think there needs to be some real examination as to why you would ask your staff to wear one of these devices. Because it seems to me that there are other ways for people to find better ways of working than collecting data that then becomes um, uh, accessible by somebody outside of the group. Well, and that's, I think, where the problem lies, right? I mean, because mm. there's also, a, th there are already uh, instances uh, where corporations um, demand your Facebook password. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you don't give it, you can't work there, mm -hmm. which is ridiculous, mm. right? But mm. that's, and, and this is like one of those steps at some point, they're going to force you to wear that headgear or, you know, have that camera in front of your face, a webcam, which is like continuously right. recording me in order to, and they'll come up with all sorts of excuses like, oh, you know, we need to have that data in order to make the workplace a better place, blah, blah, blah. In the end, it's a way to control you. Um, mm. It's a way to uh, manipulate you, uh, right? And because, and, and that's where, can be, can be. Well, that's where all these um, uh, cards that are neatly stacked by the, the, the businesses that um, actually create that technology and uh, the governments and the corporations that actually implement them, they tell you it's for a certain purpose, but the potential to use it for something else is so evident mm. that it becomes really, really creepy. Mm. And, and that's where it falls apart. That's where when, when you say, well, we're talking about our, our privacy, our, our, our personal space uh, and those kind of things. Um, yeah, I really think that's a problem. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, this is where I think that using the, the term the dark side, you know, we kind of hark back you and I to things like Star Wars. I think it's a really apt description because it's what we're saying is what we've said in previous podcasts. The thing, the thing is not bad or good in itself. It's sort of the application and the purpose and the intention behind it. Mm. So the, the, there is potential for this to be used manip manipulatively. Mm. Now, if the data that's recorded from the algorithms, the clever algorithms, is, um, is accessible by the people being recorded and only the people being recorded, I, I think w what a revolution that could be. It could add so much to the human dimension of what we get in sociometry. It could be a wonderful thing. I just get concerned when there's somebody out with the group who gets access to, and who also may be giving permission or not for the group itself to be looking at the data. Uh, there was an article in The Economist that was describing these things, and they called it digital tailorism. It's just another, another way of uh, it's digitalizing the old tailor scientific management command and control systems that we are trying to reimagine our way out of. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because now you've got digital and electronic ways of, 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 of stopwatching people. You've got, it's not just the guy with the clipboard and stopwatch. You've got loads of things that you're just monitoring people because you want to squeeze more productivity out. This is um, uh, an inherent problem with social networks in the workplace where people go like, why would I want to share all my work on this platform where everybody can see it? Mm. 
I don't like the, want the working out loud thing. Yeah, 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 yeah right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't want that to happen because when I do that, I expose myself. I become vulnerable. Yeah. People can either criticize me on the work that I do or criticize me on the work that I don't do. Uh, you know, uh, management can track every movement that I do. You know, if I like this, uh, is it endangering my prospects for advancement within the company? Or if I leave a comment on this, or if I go into an argument with somebody, how is that perceived within the workplace? And if we talk about the dark side, then yeah, the people should be worried and they should be scared about what happens with all the data within their corporation. Because if there's not enough trust within the business, then you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how it's going to be used. And it's, it's what they say when they arrest you, when they give you your Miranda rights in the United States. Anything you say can and will be used against you. Mm. Nothing you do will help your case. Everything will be used against you. And this is the thing that if you're opening up or when you're using mass data or, or private information, um, I mean, if I would have that guarantee mm. that all that information that they have on me will never be used against me, mm. go ahead. Yeah, if you actually again. do what it is that you say you do, you know, go ahead, be my mm. guest. Mm. And, but that's in the company. It's the same thing. I mean, if the CEO goes and there's a new CEO coming in and he says, like, oh, 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 look at all the data that I have on all these people. I can do whatever I want because I know everything about them. And people, and people who try and, and counter that argument say, well, it's just data. They, they miss the point. It is not just data. <laughs> Knowledge is power. It is data. And if it wasn't such an important thing, we wouldn't be having conversations about big data. Absolutely. It is not, it is not just data. No, it absolutely. It is data. <laughs> That's a well, new... you know, one of the absolute bottom lines is that, okay, uh, drones, or they're not drones, but they're unmanned blah, blah, blah aircraft, are bombing certain locations, very specific, because they have data of a cell phone being present there. That's it. That's, That's all it. they have. They have the metadata from a cell phone that has been in contact with another cell phone, and that is enough reason for them to, to drop a bomb on that building or whatever it is. Because they assume that that cell phone belongs to somebody else and who is actually going to be there and who might be a potential target. It's crazy when you think about it, but they use the data in a way where it's no longer even remotely, um, uh, yeah, you know, friendly or uh, where civilians no, have any. There's no good light. There's no good light showing. No, they're, they're putting people on 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 the no-fly list for no apparent reason, no due course or whatever. Uh, there's there's no trial. There's no. Uh, notification there's no uh, reason given there's no trial there's no there's nothing there's no evidence or there's nothing but once you're on the list you're never going to get off right they can i mean especially if you have business in america where you regularly have to go uh, they can ruin your life just by by putting a flag next to your name 
Um, <laughs> and I suppose that, and, and you know, it's the, in an analog way, you can you can remember t times when a, a mark would go on your HR records that and your employment yeah. record that would follow you. Yeah. So when it was time for you know, so th that that's not a new concept. Analog I got a better one of, of flags being put. You know, your name being flagged for things. I got a better one. Mm. Uh, Second World War, uh, especially in the Netherlands in Amsterdam, for instance, the. Dutch government was so proficient in registering everything about everybody mm. that it was so easy for the Nazis to pick out the people that they wanted to pick out because mm. administrative, the data mm. on the people that lived in Amsterdam was so well kept. Uh, look, data has been such an important thing for people who want to control and, and be in power. E ever since we started to learn how to write on you know, clay tablets. It's always been important. Exactly, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, I know I, 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 I get a couple of examples which seem and are very extreme. Uh, they are very extreme. But as an individual, as a citizen, uh, you have no guarantee that it will not happen, right? I mean, if, if your government topples, uh, and, and the current government in the UK is not one that's sp specifically friendly, I think. Uh, but you know, if it turns even worse, they can they can use that that tremendous machine that they built, mm. and they can turn it around and mm. they can use it against you in the blink of an eye. This whole thing we start talking about, you know, the dark side. And I th I'm interested. I guess for myself, I'm very. I like to be kind of observant when I'm working. Am I doing this for the, you know, for the best intentions? And of course, we're all human. You know, there, there'll be temptations. Are there also? It, it comes back to what I was saying earlier: is the bright, shiny thing. This is really cool. I want to play with this, and who wouldn't? I guess I get. Um, I get. Um, I question myself, and then I think, well, should I be saying something, or how can I contribute to the conversation, or how can I open a conversation? With people who I, you know, I may see them at a, at a conference or doing a presentation or something, saying some things, and I think, oh no, that comes out of that comes out of an old command and control. You're using the bright shiny thing, but you're actually trying to you're coming about things from the old. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. where where do you think that we sit with opening these conversations with people, who, you know, who, well, with each other, you know, it's a challenge. Where's the, you know, can we say, look, I, I'm not so sure that that was the best thing for you to do. Or people that we know and like saying, hey, you know, in your thing and you were saying, so if you want to get people to do things better. And then there's a context around that. And my stomach just kind of turns a little bit. And I think, oh, how about you involve the people? But it's more about managers getting people to do stuff. You know what I mean? Of like, course, of course. That's I mean, the, that's the biggest that's the biggest dilemma I sit with with the right. dark side. Light side. Are we going to say, you know. Luke, don't go to the dark side, or we're we just going to let Luke get tempted and make his own decision. Yeah, and then what's go downhill? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Search your feelings and make the decision on your own. Yeah. Uh, the the thing is, I think that because I'm sorry about the incredibly large examples that I used. Obviously, in the workplace, uh, it happens also, and um, but you you must realize that there are. Uh, managers who are trained in a certain way, mm. right? They went to school. They are school. They are trained to to operate in a certain way, to think in a certain way, and to treat people in a certain way. 
simply because you know that's how it's been taught in school, mm. and um, they don't know any better, mm. right? And it's very difficult for these people to uh, to 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 get that humanist element of uh, you know in a, in a co-working in a team or something uh, to figure that out. And and it comes back it comes back to purpose of why are you doing this? Why are you in business? Why are you well, to make money? Yeah. yeah, and I'm I'm a manager. I went to business school to 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 have an advantage when I hit the workplace, right? So I'm a manager because that's what I'm trained to do. I'm a business manager. That's what I do. I'm trained for that. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm I mean, here to make the, a career. The purpose of the business that comes back to the the big question: What's the purpose of our business? Why do we come here to do this? Well, you know, I think th th that bottom line, the return on investment, uh, mm. should always be there. I mean, uh, in the end, it's about making money. If you don't make money, you can't run a company. You know, you got to have some sort of revenue because if you don't, you're not going to be able to to sustain yourself. You're not going to be able to pay your people. You're not going to be able to have that building or that production line or whatever. So yeah, yeah, sure. but you're talking about a slightly different purpose from uh, returning lots of profits so you can give to shareholders. That, yeah, well, that, that, that that I mean, if if you want to if you want to have a dark side, <laughs> mm. <laughs> then then uh, then that would be uh, one of them. You know, mm. where money just just moves out of the company. Yeah. Uh, because I think that's that's like the worst bit of it. It's not necessarily. I mean, as an investor, if you invest in a company, you want a return on that. Of course. Right. But as stakeholders or shareholders, we say, why well, you know. Uh, Last year, I don't, I don't really particularly like those numbers. I want more next mm. year. Mm. And I can say that because I own this much in the company. Mm. I don't care how you do it. I want a higher return mm. on my investment. Mm. And that's when things start to shake a bit and when things start falling apart because then the decisions made in the company are solely made to provide more revenue for the stakeholders. Mm. And that's when everything falls apart because that's like it's it's not the way you want to move forward either yeah. but that's that's got nothing to do with data or whatever i mean that's just old school business right mm. the problem is uh when old school business meets new technology they'll use that technology in a way that they've been taught all this time to use you know so they use it as an extra tool right so mm. if, they, if you give them a bigger hammer, they only hit harder. Mm. Uh, you know, there, there won't be any uh, scrutiny with it or any, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Delicacy mm. or whatever. They'll just use it. And mm. they'll use the social network to, to get an advantage over somebody else and to play the internal politics uh, games. They're still doing it with email. Mm. I mean, we discussed it in the last episode with life with without email with Luis, mm. and uh, so yeah, it, it happens all the time, right? Mm. And, and this is this is why I'm suggesting that maybe it comes back to uh, organizations going back to that big question of our purpose: why are we here? And uh, you know, it's interesting that there are growing numbers of organizations that are questioning the whole return maximum shareholder value. They're looking at, we're here to provide a social good. We're here to provide um, uh, a sense of community. We're here to provide a sense of well-being. We're here to make this place good for all, all the stakeholders. You know, that big question of purpose. Now, now you're talking about Professor Yunus, his version of social business, right? 
where, yeah, where yeah, social yeah, yeah. social business social is is literally having a business yeah, that's more provide, social to provide some social good. But it's interesting. There's this movement that's growing of businesses looking back and going, "Are we on the dark side and the, on the light side? Are we here just to screw?" Uh, the earth for resources and our staff for all their efforts and their blood, sweat and tears so we can give money to those people that own the company or actually are we here for something bigger and there are more people, more companies going we're here for something bigger and better and I think the sell, if one needs a sell, is that that seems to be where sustainability lies, you know, people are beginning to now realize you cannot infinitely grow on a finite planet you cannot infinitely squeeze resources out of a planet where they're actually going to run out one day maybe not in our lifetime but you know, there's only so much productivity you can demand out of a human being. Yeah. Let's not attach a device to their lapel and see if we can squeeze just an extra one percent out of them. You know, so it's it's that kind of it's a, and it's a fine line, the dark side, light side. You know, yeah, back to Star Wars. It it would have been so it easy is. to go. To the, I mean, it's all it's a fiction of obviously, but just the tale, the gradual turning to the dark side of how easy then it was once you're over there. You know, and how how difficult would it be to come back to the to the to the light side? Yeah, very. And once you sell out, it's it's difficult to get back in again, especially when you talk about trust within a company. If if well, yes. if, if if high management sells out, and and employees are aware of that, it's very difficult to to build up any form of trust or any long lasting relationship. Mm. And um. The bottom line is, if you want to have a sustainable business that is going to stand the test of time, that's what you need. You need loyalty. You need employees that are engaged with the company. You need them to trust you as management and each other as, as employees, as, as co co-workers and colleagues. And once you start using these kind of devices that record all the time, and uh, with which you do not know exactly what's going to happen with the data that is recorded. That means that you're continuously on edge because you're mindful of what it is that you're saying yeah. uh, and how you're acting. And if, if, if you understand that your body language is being recorded, oh my God, really? You, yeah. you start realizing that I have to control myself, my body. That means that... I have to be mindful of what it is that I'm thinking. Mm. Not just saying or doing, but what I'm thinking. Because well, if I think something, if I think you're an a-hole, you know, my body language would probably reflect that. There's another example. Mindfulness is, is you know, again, there's a slow but growing movement of, of businesses going, mindfulness is a useful thing. It's becoming a bit of a fad, but the, to my mind and my experience, Developing capabilities to be mindful have been useful. But if we're having to use it to appease, because we, our organization is moving into the dark side or to appease the dark side, I have to be mindful. In other words, I have to be self-conscious. I have to be careful what I don't display. I have to be careful of not being me. That's a different kind of mindfulness. That's a, a mindfulness out of fear. That's not mindfulness which is going to help me to develop. Well, you, you, you get into North Korea territory, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. where the girl who escaped, that she, she was way over in China. And she was just fearful of even thinking that mm. the supreme leader was other than great. Mm. Because she was absolutely convinced that he could read her mind and could actually reach out and touch her mm. hundreds of miles away. Now, that's an extreme example, again. Mm. But it's reality. It's actually happening in the world that we live in. 
right? And you only need a fraction of that in the workplace in order to breed that mistrust and, and that miscontent. And why would you want to do that? Because as far as productivity goes, it does not help. Well, it, that's all. an interesting point because you've mentioned trust a few times and I keep thinking, yep, you're right, you're right, you're right. Trust, and it doesn't take, it takes a fair bit to build trust up. You know, if, 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 if my, if my uh, workplace wanted to attach devices and measure all my movements and that, 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 I, I would know that they were trustworthy when I saw only good things for the benefit of the people who were being measured come out of it. It would just take one mistake for that trust to evaporate. You know, I'm thinking of a friend who was in a place and somebody was, um, it was, it was sort of using the, using the, the right words. In other words, work together, team, put, but they were using it because they were shouting at the team. They were shouting these words angrily and aggressively at their first thing in the morning meeting. And we're losing, you need to go out and get your numbers. Now get out there now. And I thought, well, what, what better way to get people scared and lose trust than to do that? But so it was like using the right, the right phrases and the right words. But, you know, it, but they're using it through the dark side. Yeah. I, 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 did, I did something a little, bit, a little bit naughty recently. I'll see if I can find. I took some notes. Did you now? Mm, I was oh on a train. God. I was on a train. I'll just see if I can find some notes that I took. Um, I was on a train, and I, I, just, I could just see between the, the seats uh, in front of me the, the email that the woman sat just sort of diagonally in front of me was writing. Okay. And, um, and I, I kind of, I could, I could just see little words. I don't have the best vision. I could see just kind of key words. And it was, I'm just going to see if I can find, because I wrote these down because I thought they were gold. Um, well, where would it be? Uh, give me a moment. Anyway, it was the same thing of using the right words, but using it in a, in a way, in a context, which was just not going to get the result that this poor manager was trying to achieve. It's, it's, uh, I think it's kind of the same thing. Here were some of the phrases. That's, the email subject was, ready, steady, let's go. And the phrases that I could catch were, think outside the box. Everyone, take action, all day, every day, today. And that was all in capitalized letters. Oh, of course. Push, you could push read forward. It. Push. That's the only reason this I could read. Push forward. Emergency team meeting. Only 12 days to the end of the month. Get your numbers. Consistent, healthy numbers. Meet your targets. Commit to success. Refocus. As if your life depends on it. And it was this huge, long email. And I thought, this poor, this poor young manager. Because I, looked, I, looked, I saw her as I got off a trainer. And I thought, she's no, she's no older than 30. This poor young woman who's been put in this unenviable role of trying to get people, obviously in a sales role, to get their targets. Because somebody's behind her beating her with a stick saying, your team hasn't got their targets. So she's been given these, these ideas that you would inspire people. But the, the, the way that she was connecting all of those words and phrases was just so passive aggressive. And I yeah. thought, if I, if I was in her team uh, and I got that email, there would be nothing in there to motivate me to get consistently healthy numbers because there's only and it 12 doesn't, days. It doesn't, with the rest of the team, it doesn't motivate, right? Probably. It, it puts the fear of God into them at mm. some point. Mm. 
and obviously most of them are scared of losing their job and those kind of things but it doesn't i mean i wouldn't be motivated by it mm. ah, i don't mm. think so and i and i so i got i got her i got the intention she really wanted these folks to do well and to work well and you know she kept using the words all and everyone then big bold and i saw lots of that she wants people to work together i got the intention but there was something about the the spirit of what was behind it it kind of felt a bit on the dark side ish to me and i thought oh and i kind of just thought i was sitting there going do i just have a conversation and say you know but then i thought no i don't do i you know so i sat there going do i go on the dark side and interfere and interrupt and say i've been reading your email anyway it was very naughty of me I, you, you I, wanted I, like you know you want to be a guest on our podcast because that would be very interesting to talk about that specific email well, no, it's more about having a conversation about, I, I get what you're trying to do. Let, let me kind of help you take a step back and see what actually you are going to, to achieve with this. Um, because it comes out of an old way of managing people, presuming that Is she the one who was writing that email? She was writing the email. Ah, I thought she was receiving the email. She was writing she the email? She was writing the email. Oh, my God. To her, to her team. Yeah. yeah, that's not... And it went on and on. As those are only little snatches that I managed to, to glimpse. That's all those phrases yeah. in and of themselves can be used, but you don't want to put them all in one email. Because but th again, this is, the, this is my point. I felt for her because she has kind of gone into a system. She's in a, in a business or in, a, in an organization where yeah. this is what's expected of her. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. The, the, the old school mentality and yeah, this is how you motivate yeah. people not... But this is how you manage people. Yeah, she's maybe she's a reasonable manager. She's a lousy leader. She doesn't know the first thing about leadership. Well, I thought she's probably terrified. Probably. You know, I thought some of the languaging. I thought this is this comes from somebody who's absolutely terrified because because you know, she got an email or a phone call from she, somebody she, else she got with a email. slightly bigger stick and with she, a slightly she's, bigger capitalized letters. That's sure. Right. Yeah. yeah, using a bigger font than she does. Yeah, because yeah, she's yeah. not allowed. She's allowed to use fourteen points, but not bigger than that, because she needs to be a higher level manager. And then you can use twenty points. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> so, how funny. often do managers? And I this is obviously rhetorical. How often do managers have conversations that are intended to be motivating? That are actually coming from the place of why? Why are we all here? Let's hear from everybody. Why? What's your purpose? What's our purpose? What's our shared purpose? What was that because one that question? Because that's far more motivating than it's only twelve days to the end of the month, and let's you need to get your numbers up. It's the uh, the question that I think it was covered somewhere earlier. Uh, um, what can I do to improve the way you do your work? Yeah, as a manager. Yeah, and obviously in 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 that specific realm of that 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 manager you that was writing that email that question will never be asked right because that's not what it's about it's mm. about the numbers yeah that's the bottom line mm. and if you cannot deliver those numbers you're not doing your work properly that's mm. it there's there's no excuse there's nothing else just those numbers because if you do not deliver me those numbers that means that I cannot deliver those numbers upstairs. Mm. And we can't have that. Mm. So you just deliver those numbers. I don't care how you do it. Right? 
I don't care if you have to work your people into the ground or have them work late or whatever. I don't want any excuses about people being sick or pregnant or whatever. Nonsense. I don't want any excuse. I just want the numbers. Make it happen. I don't care how. You know, and in an, in an environment like that, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's like working for the empire, right? I mean, that's just, mm. you know, we have to finish the Death Star. Yeah, my men are already working double shifts. I don't care. Okay. We'll find we'll something else to motivate them, right? Mm. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Now, the Death Star is not a particularly happy workplace, I guess, but it's clean, though. It's clean and it's, it's efficient. It's very efficient. Mm. But it's not very friendly. It's pretty old school. But it's not. It's not very human. No. 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 A lot of clones. <laughs> so let's let's end on a happy note because because we're we're uh, when this is published we're close to Christmas. Do you have a happy note? Well, I, think, I, I was I... thinking. No. Well, like I said, we're we're coming up on Christmas and New Year's and. Uh, regardless of your uh, religious inclinations uh, Christmas is still uh, kind of a happy thing or at least we try I have fond memories of certain Christmases but anyway uh, doesn't really matter but the happy note we've been talking about the dark side of things and uh, I think we can go on and on and on and on about that there's plenty of examples, but if there's a dark side, there has to be a light side. And there are companies who do try and find that lightness within the way they work, the way they treat people, the way they communicate with people, not only in the business, but also outside the business. There's more and more companies who see the benefit of having a workforce which is you know, trusting and loyal, uh, where they have a higher retention, um, you know, uh, of employees. And uh, bottom line, a happy workplace is a workplace with a higher return on investment. And um, as far as I'm concerned, that's what we try to do with this podcast: is find the lighter side uh, on occasion. Okay, my last words. Uh, is we're going to be back after the new year in January. Uh, Our connection is falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> I see my camera flashing and all the kind of things. So let's end this before we are not able to do it anyway. So John, if you have any famous last words. I have no famous last words. No, I just wish everyone uh, a Merry Christmas or a Happy Holiday or whichever phrase you, you prefer. I'm not attached to anyone in particular. I no, just, um, hope that people have um, a good few weeks and we will catch you in the new year. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Goodbye. Subscribe. Leave a review on iTunes and we'll catch you on episode 31. Thank you. Goodbye.